Welcome to a Lidditz podcast. In this week's show, we speak to Lidditz native Matthew Neff, who serves as the executive director of House of His Creation, a life-affirming ministry which provides women a place to heal, grow, and to learn through housing and ongoing support. Recently, this nonprofit moved to downtown Lidditz, and Tim and I speak to Matthew about his life growing up in Lidditz, what prompted the move, and what Neff looks forward to in the future. There's just so many opportunities. And this neighborhood, as a child, this was my paper route. So just seeing all these old houses again and remembering the people who did live here at the time, and some of them still do live here. Enjoy the conversation. This week, we have Matthew Neff, who is the director of House of His Creation right here in downtown Lidditz. Welcome to the show, Matthew. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited for this. Well, Matthew, definitely thank you for taking your time and joining our show today. Tell us some of your fond memories growing up here in Lidditz. One of my major memories is Wilbur Chocolate. What is currently Chilungo's was my childhood home and my father's paint shop. And we used to go out when the guys came out on break they would like want football or baseball or frisbee, whatever we were doing in the yard. And we used to leave a basket of like footballs and things out there for them to play with in the street, just being decent people. And it paid off big time in 1978 when Muhammad Ali came into town and they snuck us through the back of uh, Wilbur and got us right in front of the steps where Muhammad Ali was. So there's a, a wonderful picture that has my brother and I right there at the front steps with Muhammad Ali. I think my brother was reaching up to try and grab something from him. But that was definitely one of my most favorite memories. I clearly remember the uh, flood in the park in the 70s that completely took over the road. It was like a river that cut the town in half. Uh, And being boys, we sometimes did things that weren't wise and we were rafting on tables and things through the park and we found a volkswagen bug that sometime during the storm tried to cross over to go up by where the rec center was but that wasn't a road the stream was there they just couldn't see it and it crashed down in and was sunk under there oh my word wow that's crazy (laughs) was that the agnes flood of 72 or was that after that it was after that it was after that because we didn't move here actually Today is my 47th anniversary of being a Lidditz residence. Congratulations. Yeah, we moved here March 5th of 73. From where? From Keyport, New Jersey. Okay, home very of, good. Home of Jaws. Okay, it right, was, right. It right. was the Keyport River that sharks swam up. And then, ironically, several years later, you swam up the flooded uh, Lidditz Springs Park. <laughs> yes. Yes, I will, I will not name the participants in the rafting in our Tom Sawyer events, <laughs> but they were all they were all local neighborhood people around Wilbur. What did you do after high school? Oh, after high school, and you can definitely leave this in. I made bad choices, um, lots and lots of them. I just kept doubling down. I was a bit of a partier and kind of ran a little rickshaw for a while, and then probably 1994, 95. I ended up stepping away from college because I had an opportunity to be a nanny or the term down in Key West is a manny. Uh, And that kind of changed everything. I just really bonded with the kids that I was mannying for. Had a lot of fun doing that. I ended up down there a year or so and then came back up uh, to Lidditz again. And I took a job at uh, Friendship Community, which is uh, working with adults with disabilities. 
and uh, loved the job. But one day a beautiful woman walked in and I knew she was the girl I was going to marry. So I ended up leaving that job and I took a factory job over in New York at a coffee company starting up called Starbucks. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they've, they've been around a little bit now. I spent 10 years at Starbucks. Just absolutely. It was a fantastic company to work for. I went to Europe a few times to help start up new roasting plants. I was a coffee roaster uh, and I learned the ins and outs of roasting. In fact, we were, we're in the middle of moving to the new location and I packed up a gas grill that I converted into a home coffee roaster. So hope that's like Tim's biggest dream right there. Yeah. Well, I hope to have it up and running this summer, Tim. So I'll, I'll have you <laughs> over and we can roast some green beans and make them tasty. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I knew I was going to marry this girl and uh, for whatever reason, my Irish, my Scotch Irish grandma, had taught me that you don't date where you work. So I left and went to Starbucks and we got married. Yeah, it was it was a great thing. And then one day I was decided I would go back to college because I never finished that. And we had our first child and, you know, the old parent thing of, well, I want my kid to go to college, so I should finish it up. So I was working full-time and going to college full-time. And my wife calls, I think I'm jumping down here a little bit, uh, to what inspired me to get involved with House of His Creation. Callie called me at work and I could hear Aurora crying in the background. And she said that uh, she can't find the daddy doll. So I just confusedly asked like, what, what's the daddy doll? And here it was a LGN or LJN rubber wrestler, the Iron Sheik. From mm -hmm. when I was uh, younger, my mom dropped off a box of things that were very important to me, at least in her estimation. And Rora had just grabbed the Iron Sheik. He was bald with a mustache. And that became her daddy doll. And she had misplaced it and was just devastated that she couldn't find it. And so I'm working at Starbucks, putting probably 60, 70 hours a weekend, plus going to school at nights. And I just wasn't around. And it really just, it, it broke my heart. Financially, I was definitely providing for my family, but I was not being a good dad. And honestly, being a good dad was something I had as a career goal in my heart from a very young age. I just wanted to be a dad. So I came home and talked to Kellyanne and was just, what do we do here? Because this isn't working out. As a child, I played at the original House of His Creation, which was up next to Kawasaki Motorcycle Shop. And I reached out to the founders to say... Uh, you know, my wife and I would like to do something together with our kids. We have, at that time, we had two daughters and everything was for house parenting was more with uh, children who had been abused uh, physically or sexually. And one of the horrific byproducts of that is many times that person can also then inflict abuse on someone else. And I just couldn't, as a dad, put my daughters in that situation so we reached out to the original founders and asked them if they had any ideas of something like House of His Creation. Turns out House of His Creation was currently closed because they were looking for house parents. So Callie and I put in our note, I put in my notice at Starbucks and uh, made my parents, my, both our dads were a little panicky because I finally finished college and I was climbing the corporate ladder and I decided that we would make, oh, I think our combined salary at the time was $22,000 uh, and raise our kids with 
pregnant teenage girls in distress. So the family was kind of shook by that. But I can tell you, it was really the best decision. Other than asking Callianne to marry me, that was the best decision I've ever made. You told us a little bit about the House of His Creation itself. But how long has the nonprofit been around? And you kind of explained a little bit about the situations going on. But can you explain some of the services um, that it provides as well? Sure. Uh, House of His Creation started in 1972. Uh, There was a couple that led a church group down in Washington, D.C. for teenagers and young adults. And they noticed a young lady uh, who would come but kind of stood off. Uh, She was a college student uh, who was pregnant. um, And the father, it was a biracial child, and it was more of a one-night stand than a relationship. Her family was extremely distraught and wanted her to have an abortion And she just felt like she could not do that. So this is like probably six months before Roe v. Wade gets passed. This young lady crossed paths with uh, some youth pastors down in Washington, D.C. So they invited her to move in with them because she was getting kicked out of her house and and needed a place to live. So they started noticing more and more. Like when you become aware of something, then you see how prevalent it kind of is. And they just wanted to reach out, uh, and they were meeting with a church group over in the Coatesville area. They would come up on weekends for uh, church up there, and they felt that someone needed to start some kind of program for these young ladies in a desperate situation. And eventually the pastor at the church asked why they wouldn't be the people to start it. So they moved up in 1973 uh, and bought a farm over in Coatesville, Pennsylvania. And then in 1978, they opened the house here in Lidditz as you were coming into town from the South. And uh, it had always been a maternity program uh, with, I mean, you use the term unplanned pregnancy, but I think everyone understands or crisis pregnancy, or basically it's a young lady who is pregnant and finds herself in need of decision-making or housing or some guidance on parenting or career goals. But the state of Pennsylvania has extremely thorough, we'll say to be polite, rules on that kind of situation. So when we started, my wife and I, uh, 16 years ago, we started doing this. It was a teen mom home. And you could not have like, say a 17 year old and a 19-year-old in the same house because one was an adult and the other was a child. So we had been working with teens when we started it, or started working for House of His Creation. And just as things went along and society changed, you weren't the first person to have a pregnant daughter. It became less of a scandalous kind of thing and more acceptable. But what we did notice was when the young lady turned 18, typically dads were of the mindset of she's 18, she's an adult, she needs to be on her own. And unfortunately, his wife was having so much fun being grandma that she kind of inadvertently took over the raising of the child. So we had a lot of 18 and over young ladies who didn't really quite have a parenting plan or the the handed down skill set of how to work with your child. So we were seeing more and more young ladies that were 18 and over that needed a place to live. Meanwhile, the demographic of under 18, the state had lots of opportunities and options as far as housing for state-run facilities. So I believe in 2010, we made the decision 
to switch to 18 and over for the state of Pennsylvania for the women that we work with. So we work with anyone over 18. Typical demographic is 18 to 25. Number one, that's the most abortion vulnerable age group. Number two, it's still, it's just a very rocky time in life. And if you're having an unexpected pregnancy, you might not have a strong support system around you. So we work with women 18 and over, find themselves pregnant. We try to get with them first or second trimester. The third trimester, things move along pretty quickly. Uh, so you want to work with them. But we teach parenting classes. We have instruction uh, with an instructor for shaken baby so that they're aware of the dangers of shaken baby. We do personal finance education planning, career goals, um, and trying. The one thing that I've always told, and not one lady has taken me up on this yet, I would love to see someone go into HVAC, you know, heating and air conditioning. Yep. The way that is built now, it's not, the, the units are so light. And you think about it now, Corey, you know who I am. I'm not sure if Tim knows who I am. But if your mom's air conditioner broke down, do you want to send Matt Neff's face over to give an estimate? Or do you want to send a young lady over who can walk her through the process? So mm -hmm. I'm always trying to encourage them to think outside the box because everyone wants to do CNA or some kind of short-term education, major pay increase type job. But the, the burnout rate on those seems to be getting higher and higher as well. Now in Lidditz, being a CNA is a very wise move because there are so many retirement facilities around here that employability is very high if you were to go with the CNA. Um, but we try and get people to think outside the box a little bit. Now, Callie and I have been doing this for 16 years. Last month started our 16th year. Uh, we have shared our family living with, I think the last count was 149 women and 114 children. Um, so we have, we have, I have a lot of daughters out there. Some stay in touch, some don't stay in touch. I, I'm a Denver Broncos fan. So if the Eagles play the Broncos and beat the Broncos, my phone tends to blow up and my Facebook <laughs> messenger tends to blow up. But yeah, we, we do it family style so that they can see how important my wife is to me. Uh, we want to to set better a better example of I don't beat my children, I don't beat my wife, that we have disagreements, but we work it out. And at the end of the day, we still love each other. There's, there's a lot of brokenness in our society today. Uh, and just to be an example of what love and marriage could and should look like in our opinion. So you said in 1978, it, um, House of His Creation moved into Lidditz, um, but now you moved to downtown Lidditz. What prompted this move? Well, we had the property on the south end of town, and then we merged with a couple other nonprofits and bought a property up on 322 in Brickerville that worked really well for all the groups combined. Wasn't necessarily the best for House of His Creation, but we had the finances and property to put money down to purchase it. So we did that. Uh, it wasn't too long after the other organizations just had disagreements in direction and leadership and decided to pull away. So we spent five years up there making things work. It's a fantastic property, but you know, eventually we're going to need someone to take over. I'm not quite that old yet. I'll be 51 shortly, but up there was a lot of work and nonprofit doesn't necessarily pay very well. So we started looking at that and we actually took time out to think 
if I'm a client, if, you know, as odd as it to say, if Matt Neff is a pregnant young lady, what do I need? And while I love the nature and the serenity of Brickerville, it's terrifying. You know, we had 32 acres of land, but people wouldn't go in the woods because there's clowns and werewolves and things. So trying to make them have the best opportunity possible to be the best mom possible, we thought somewhere near a bus route, somewhere with sidewalks, um, that is a, a major stress reliever when someone is frustrated is to just take a walk and go away. And up there, there really wasn't that opportunity. So to be able to be here, I call it the gift of COVID. It's kind of tongue in cheek, but Unfortunately, COVID ravaged the travel industry so much that we couldn't pass up the opportunity to buy a bed and breakfast. Um, and it, it gives everyone the sense of independent living because you have your own room with your own bathroom. Uh, we have a unified kitchen and we do family meals together uh, as well as cooking classes. You'd be surprised how many young ladies when asked on their ability to cook, they'll be very proud of their ability to cook, but it oftentimes involves poking holes in the plastic and peeling it back before you put it in the microwave. <laughs> so we, uh, we offer cooking classes and we, we try to bring in volunteers or things of that nature. Knitting uh, has always been a big thing, and that that still boggles my mind because it seems like such an old-fashioned thing. But, you know, anything that we can do to interject more people into her life with a positive message and encouragement, the better off her self-esteem and, and self-image is going to be. Uh, because being a single mom is tough. It's not that it can't be done because we all know a lot of single moms who have done it. But we want to make sure that she leaves here with a very solid plan. You know, and plans change, but at least you have a, a heading of where you're going. You have your markers and we hopefully get to launch you off and you have a very successful life. Um, but being on 501, the bus is right out front. We're just far enough away from downtown that if there's a big crazy event, we can't hear it. But you can certainly see the hustle and bustle going on down there. The park is just a few blocks away. There's just so many opportunities. And this neighborhood, as a child, this was my uh, my paper route. So just seeing all these old houses again and remembering the people who did live here at the time, and some of them still do live here. Uh, it, it just made this property the perfect opportunity for House of His Creation to help launch these moms in the best possible way. How many staff members currently oversee House of His Creation and how many women are staying there, whether it be on the average or right now? I'm sure that number fluctuates, especially with, with the move. And I would ask maybe currently how many are, are staying there? That's an easy question. There's zero. Okay. Uh, with, well, a, a couple of factors going into that. We as a board made the decision to sell the property up there in August and started putting things in motion. And then the end of October, uh, my family, we all contracted COVID. My wife and kids just, you know, it was like a mild cold. I ended up going into the hospital with that. Uh, and, and it was quite a severe case. Uh, I ended up with pneumonia and was on oxygen and all sorts of drama with it. But during that time, the women that were there uh, were a little freaked out and fearful of me dying since I had become a surrogate dad or dad or whatever. However they chose to see me, it just was very uncomfortable. And they ended up 
stepping away in November. Then the house sold and we have, there's actually seasons with most industries and with housing, there's a season. It, It typically starts up around March. Last week, we started moving boxes and put the office in here. After we emptied the first box, we had two phone calls that hour from women looking for housing. So I don't think it'll be too long before we have the house full with uh, new daughters living here. But at this time, we have zero women living here. We have four staff. My three children are unpaid staff. They're unpaid interns, so they don't. (laughs) They don't necessarily count, but they're very involved. It is our family business. We have Michelle Gibbs, who is our case manager, uh, originally from New York and relocated to the Ephrata area, and Christine Rainbow. Uh, She's kind of a designated hitter, much like my wife, Callie, is a designated hitter. She does the finances and the mail, various publications they work on together. My wife, Callie, is the house mom and program director, and she has been... Uh, working outside the ministry full-time and just volunteering and working here because we live here. But we're looking, hopefully, at her being back full-time on staff uh, before summer hits. So we'll we'll see how well that works out, but that is the goal. What's full capacity for uh, the Broad Street location? Uh, the Broad Street ro- location probably will just be four. As I said, we do this family style, so with the Nefs here, there's five of us. And we do take up some space, um, but you know, when when we step aside, and as our children get older, our oldest is graduating this spring from Warwick, so uh, eventually more space will open up, and we could go higher. But it's one of those things where I, I use the phrase "controlled chaos," where if you have too many people you're trying to help, you're spread too thin and it's difficult to really help people well. So four was where we arrived at a good number. Everyone have their own room and we can work on not just maternity. We, we're also focusing on postpartum. Again, another byproduct of COVID has been some mental health challenges are really on the rise. So we want to make sure that each woman who comes has a good solid plan uh, and, you know, raising a child, having a baby, it can rattle you. It can shake your nerves. So we want to make sure everybody finds themselves in a good, healthy place as they're beginning their motherhood journey. Sure. And what would you say is the most rewarding aspect of your job? The most rewarding aspect is when a young lady and I have a heated debate about how awesome the baby dad or the boyfriend is and my view of him not being so awesome. And then hear her giving him the lecture of, you need to step up your game. Here's what you should be doing. Uh, Just to know that she had the confidence to say something like that. It really does like just make me happy that or when I get a phone call from someone who's left to uh, to ask fatherly advice of I met a guy or I have these two job offers. What should I do? It's the after effects down the road where she's not obligated to talk to me, but we made enough of a relationship and impact on each other's life that she's willing to reach out and say, Hey, what would you do here? That's great. That's a wonderful thing. Yeah. It's, it's certainly, and seeing the children, you know, that, that get older, the first kids that we had are driving this year. Mm-hmm. That's, that just blows me away. And remembering how small my children were when we started. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think just anytime 
you see someone and you know that you interacted and had a positive impact on their life and not for, I'm not looking for, we would say a, a Mr. Matt action figure, <laughs> but to know that this worked out and there's so much conversation and things that have to go on in the, you know, not every family debates, argues, disagrees well, but to know some of the, the women that I've had the most disagreement or strong opinion against each other on items, they really tend to stay in touch because it's done with respect of, you know, you're the mom, you have to make these decisions, but I don't necessarily agree with it. You know, to have someone not approve of what you're doing, but still care for you to love you. Yeah. It makes an impact and the rewards on that. It's usually a five year out, meaning if someone left here today, it's four or five years until I would typically hear something, but then they, they are just full of life and Hey, my, my kid's doing this, or we started kindergarten or it's just great. So yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's what being a grandpa feels like. <laughs> that seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. So shifting gears, you kind of talked about this earlier, but what are some of your favorite places around Lidditz that you and your family love to visit, especially now that you're back in the downtown? Well, I was going to say, in the past five years, Lidditz has turned around so many storefronts. I'm kind of excited to see what all is here. Uh, I have yet to be in the Wilbur buildings. Oh, it's amazing. Since, since all of that happened, I drive by and just stare in amazement. Um, so I think... Let's see. Favorites that are still here. Um, I believe Greco's ice cream is still here. Mm -hmm. um, and Bruno's subs. Oh, the best. Delicious. <laughs> uh, Dosi -si Dough Coffee. Yep. Uh, I do. I do look forward to when my wife and I, before we did all of this, lived in Lidditz. My Sunday morning routine was to walk up to Dosi -si Dough and get some coffee and some eclairs and come back to the house with them. So I am looking forward to that. One thing, and this, there might be a lynch mob after you play this, but... I, I know what you're uh, already about to say, and I already, uh, yeah, exactly. I already warned I him, you so you're good. <laughs> I have never had a rosy burger. <laughs> now, to be fair, I did eat rosy ice cream down on Front Street when they had the, the shop down there. Mm -hmm. But I have never had a rosy burger, and that is actually scheduled to happen tomorrow. Oh, will be my first rosy burger. So oh I'm gosh. definitely open to uh, suggestions. I don't know if there's like a number you order at number two uh, and it comes with this. Well, or... first of all, three things. It's never too late. I'm so <laughs> excited for you. And um, as far as how I get them, uh, I would say there's the signature way that many people get them is what they say is with everything and that's a cheeseburger with everything and that everything well, that makes it easy yeah everything is sounds gross but it's delicious it's it's, it's mustard ketchup and relish all mixed together okay and, and then they they put you know a spoonful or two on there and then um, package it up but that's kind of like um i would that's... say if you ask most rosy burger eaters you know it's kind of like the lit way to get them some people get them plain or whatever but i i think to, to have the the, the true litmus test of a your very first rosy burger i would suggest getting a cheeseburger with everything with everything three words all right. cheeseburger with everything is all you need to tell them <laughs> all right well then that, that'll be my plan going in then is and that I, I will i will have my first rosy burger cheeseburger with everything and i can't wait to hear how it went whether you liked it you didn't like it and, and i hope me and so many other people haven't hyped them up too much 
<laughs> well, the one gentleman whom you know mm-hmm. uh, has on more than one occasion threatened my lit citizenship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, over the fact that I haven't. Our other mutual friend, Matt. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I, I am I am meeting him when I was in the hospital. It was one of those things where I'm like, so basically I've never had this because A, everyone tells you you have to do it. And B, there's always a line. Mm-hmm. But after going through all of that, I just realized like this is stupid. I should I should try a Rosie Burger. So so we're gonna do that. But to answer what you said, our favorites, um, I really am not sure what's here anymore, and I'm more excited about going around. I'm already driving my children nuts because we eat at Chilungo's. We've been here a week. We've eaten yeah, there three times. But like walking by the Warwick House, which is now the Toy Soldier, or the Lidditz Pet Shop, which mm-hmm. is now Metro Pizza and has been for mm-hmm. probably 30 yeah. years. But just to, to see what is here, um, I'm very excited for the walk-arounds. Uh, for, you know, we did go see the ice sculptures, but... Hopefully life gets back to normal and we have like the chocolate walk. One other like thing that. about Rosie's um, they, make sure you bring cash. Cause they don't take cards. They only bring, they only deal with cash. So see, that's yeah. a great I, tip. Now I have like a Seinfeld esque thing in my head of like ordering it and handing him a card and right, he says right, no burger right. for you. Maybe I'll see if Matt's open to uh, doing yeah, Facebook yes, live yeah. or something. And we'll we can just record or something, but yeah. So wrapping up, if our listeners want to learn more about House of His Creation, where, where can they go? Where, where, um, is there a website or social media or? Yeah. Uh, www.hohc.org, uh, the acronym for House of His Creation. And we have Facebook and we have Instagram and we're working on getting better at, you know, it's such a competitive world and people just want so much information. I find myself becoming a simple guy the older I get, but that's not how we keep people abreast of what's happening. Uh, we are a nonprofit. We do not have any government funding or anything of that kind. So everything is just based off the generosity of individuals, businesses, and churches. Uh, and Lidditz has been such a supportive town. There, There was the opportunity for some other bed and breakfasts in other towns that I won't say. Um, but the, the entire staff was sold on the Lidditz house as soon as they saw it, like before even coming inside, it had to be the Lidditz house. That was the one. And the couple who ran it were such kind, loving people and that you can just feel the house is just so welcoming. So this is the perfect place to be, but yeah, we're on Facebook and I try to respond as quickly as possible. Uh, and we are getting more the other ladies involved with answering that stuff so that I don't leave people hanging. Anything else you want to add, Matthew? Um, well, just we're excited to be back in town. I really am thrilled to see how the women react. Uh, like I said, this is the first time we're going to have sidewalks, the first time we're going to have true neighbors, uh, the first time there's going to be opportunity to just you know, take a day pass, hop on the bus and go see the city. So we're we're definitely excited for the location. Just how neat of a gem the town of Lidditz is. Uh, always known that it, it's still, I mean, what, seven years now or eight years ago? Yeah, that eight was the years, coolest yeah. town. Uh, and I, I think if that contest were run today, they would, Lidditz would just crush it because the town has improved and expanded in so many ways since that that it is exciting so yeah i'm excited to find out what my new hangouts are going to be and run into some old faces 
Um, I will say uh, with, we talked about the COVID incidents. Uh, so I was hospitalized and it, it was uh, touch and go for quite some time. And I, I do have some memory issues, we'll call them. So for anyone who listens to this, if you see me and we grew up together, and I don't know who you are. It's nothing personal. There's just, there's gaps in my memory uh, that are just not there right now. And hopefully they return. And if not, I put out on social media, make up some outlandish story of how we met and, and we'll just start a new relationship <laughs> from there. Tim, anything for Matthew before uh, we let him uh, loose? What are, what are some of the biggest needs that you, that you well, need? Uh, we're, we're a family run organization. So when the place is full, we're going to have 12 people as far as using the bathrooms. And so paper supplies, uh, paper towels, toilet paper, um, beauty items, shampoo, conditioner, things like that. Uh, they just tend to, we go through that stuff so fast. Um, so that's an always thing. Another simple thing, especially we have a lot of um, retired folks that will go to Stauffer's Wise, Giant, Wiser's. And they have buy one, get one. Uh, so they'll buy chicken and bring over the other one because they don't actually want or need that. Um, so just basic living items, uh, gift cards, uh, especially to local shops. I would love that. Uh, small monetary gift cards so that someone can go get a cup at do do or pick up a sub at Subway or get some ice cream at Greco's or visit tomato pie. Uh, anything to really plug in because there's not a lot of towns like this and many of our women come from a more urban situation. So anything to help expand and expose them to small town Americana, even though Lidditz is not that small anymore, it's still a very quaint living area. So many people have stopped by just to say hi when we're outside working on things. So yeah, anything that we can do to give the moms that we're going to be working with the best Lidditz experience that we can would be Perfect. great. All right. Well, thanks again for your time, Matthew. We really appreciate it. And, and uh, you know, we're sure. really touched by what you do. And um, it's just uh, just wonderful you and your family to do this, this really special um, thing here. Definitely ad admire you for that. I, I know it's not everyone can do something like that. It's, it's <laughs> just a wonderful thing you're doing. So what's new today, Tim? Well, spring is finally here. But I hear, and you you texted me this this morning. We have a, a friend in the Lidditz Springs in the Lidditz Creek area, a beaver. Can, can you tell? Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's a beaver. Nobody has, to my knowledge, nobody's actually seen the beaver or have photos of him or her. So it's some sort of ghost beaver. And uh, unfortunately, he or she has done a lot of damage to trees right off of Broad Street. We don't even, I'm not even sure, I have to, I'm not up on my beaver knowledge. So I don't know if they're nocturnal, if they come out at night. But this thing has done a lot of damage. They're trying to trap it. And it's just kind of an in interesting thing to see some of these trees. Not that it's fun to look at damaged property or anything, but just the way this beaver has gnawed on these trees. I mean... Yeah, of course, I, like I said, I sent you the pictures, but one of the trees looks like an hourglass because it's gnawed at the bottom and at the top and it's somehow it's still standing and it's just they, they want to make sure it doesn't go the whole way down to the Lidditz Springs Park. So it's on the opposite end of the bridge there in front of the park to give you an idea of, of where this damage has been found. So, yeah, you never know what you're going to see or um, hear about in Lidditz, that's for sure. Yeah, I think uh, if we do catch it, um, I think we should have a poll of what we can name him or her. I think that'd be kind of interesting. Or who knows, maybe Litzboro will already have a poll yeah. for that. 
and I would be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, yet another episode where Dosi Doe is mentioned. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I promise we're not putting these in here and we're not getting paid by Dosi Doe. Uh, these are actual people saying these things on their own. So another thing in, in my life is I recently upgraded to uh, AirPods, the, the wireless Bluetooth AirPods. Any experience with these? I don't. I am uh, get a lot of flack for it. I am a Android user, so I, for some reason, have not jumped onto the iPhone game yet. I mean, I had an iPhone 4 back in the day, but I don't have AirPods. I don't have Bluetooth headphones or anything. I'm Still use the old plug and play. Well, you know? I finally decided to upgrade, and uh, you know I'm having sort of a tough time figuring everything out. I don't know, maybe I'm just a dinosaur, but I have to plug in the actual charging case, make sure that thing's charged. Then I have to put in the AirPods in the charge case, which needs to be unplugged. Then the actual things that go in your ears get charged in there, and then uh, so once they're charged, you can take them back out and use them and um just for the few times that i've used them so far that the, the full the quote-unquote full charge lasts about an hour and then it's back to square one and, and this is how dumb i am i thought the little case was actually just a carrying case but i learned after opening the package that it is an actual charger as well which of course makes complete sense but it just seems like so many steps just to charge these little things yeah that and and i you were saying earlier before we started recording that there is a connection error, so maybe there's maybe there's something wrong with it. Maybe it's, maybe it's an actual defected AirPod. Who knows? But yeah, or maybe it's a defective user. You know, I don't know. <laughs> no, I. Uh, so I don't know. I'm going to keep messing around with them, and and maybe I'll exchange them or take them back. Uh, you're right, though. I didn't mention that earlier. The left ear doesn't. It kind of goes in and out, and I know it's fully charged. And um, there is tiny little buttons on each of these AirPods too, which if I hold in for a couple seconds, it kind of turns it off and then on again and so i've been trying that and then it'll go back on and then it'll it'll play fine so i'm still gonna mess around with it for a couple more days and um it is nice to have it i mean it's uh gives me a little bit more freedom at the gym and so forth and um i do like them in theory i just have to figure out all this charging nonsense <laughs> all right so are you ready for the history segment for this week oh yeah all right well, this week, we're going to focus on what was called the Sunnyside College at 127 East Main Street right here in Lidditz. And this was a, um, a short-lived girls' college opened in the early 1860s by an eccentric gentleman named Julius Beckler. And it only lasted a couple years, and uh, it was in direct competition with Linden Hall, which is on the same street on Main Street and down a couple buildings across the street. So they were in direct competition with Lyndon Hall, and it said that Julius Beckler, who, again, was the headmaster, wanted to be better than Lyndon Hall. So at the very top of the building, he built a widow's walk, and the building is still there today. The building is now known as the Pilger House or the Pilger House Condos, but the widow's walk is still at the very top of the building today. And he, like I said, wanted to be better than Lyndon Hall, so he built this widow's walk so his building could be taller than Lyndon Hall. Well, the rumor is that a short time later, Lyndon Hall came along and built their own widow's walk on the top of their highest building, which ended up being higher than the college. And this just drove Julius Beckler crazy. And then eventually he closed the school. Whether that story of the competitive widow's walks are true or not, I'm, I'm not really sure. I never really verified that, although both of those are still there. 
at the very top of their buildings and you can still see them today. But um, either way, it is a fascinating story about our history here in, uh, in Lidditz. What are your thoughts? That's, that's crazy. And I know you also showed me the picture of outside and hopefully you can post that on our uh, social media definitely, platforms for definitely. listeners. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's just crazy. Just the competitiveness between at least not between the two, but at least between Julius Speckler. Um, but yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's, that's absolutely yeah, crazy. And, and, I, and I should have said earlier, too, the next time somebody's walking past that, there's actually a plaque next to the building on the left side of the building on the front where you can read a little bit about the history of that building. Again, it's called the Pilger House. It served many different functions through the years. A gentleman named David Tannenberg had an organ shop behind the building, and he built many organs, and uh, many of which are still around here in Pennsylvania. Uh, there's a uh, there's two that are in possession of the Lidditz Moravian congregation. So he was uh, well known for uh, building organs, and um, the building also served as an apartment complex for many years. And now it's condos. But uh, yeah, really beautiful, huge brick building on East Main Street. You can't miss it, and a lot of fascinating history. Anything else before we wrap up for the week, Tim? Again, thank you to all our listeners for con- the continued support um, for listening to all our episodes and, and for engaging with us on social media. Um, I know that all the people that we get to have on our show are, have been very grateful, and I know I'm, I've been very blessed and very grateful to be doing this with you, Corey, and, and just continuing to grow this. And just thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody. And let's enjoy some spring fresh air, right? And where can people follow us if they want to... Uh, check us out on online. Well, at a Lidditz podcast, almost anywhere at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All right, great. And as, as always, if anyone has any suggestions or um, if they have a very, very interesting story or hobby, we would love to have you on the show. Reach out, get in touch, and uh, we'll be happy to talk to you. So until next time, Tim, have a great day and uh, be safe. You too. Thanks a lot. <laughs>